And I think you've also got to talk about Miami's defensive backfield, especially the safeties. Um, James Williams was someone that got some criticism last year. It seems like he's risen his level of play. Obviously, a guy that stands at six foot five. He's uh, leading the team with 51 tackles, also has an interception and a forced fumble in 2023. And then you go to Cameron Kitchens, a guy who, you know, like I kind of called Comrade Hussey, if he can keep developing a ball hawk. That's exactly what Cameron Kinchins is. He's all around the football, um, 43 tackles, one sack, four interceptions, five pass deflections, and one defensive touchdown for Miami in 2023. So, you know, we were mentioning the health of Florida State's wide receivers. This is why you're going to need these guys on Saturday to go out there and have some success um, against this Miami defense. Jordan Travis, he was locked in this week in practice. He's going to need to bring that into this game and have a huge performance against the Hurricanes. Hey guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Dolls. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, aka E Dub in the house. So we're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go live, go Nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, Go Nose. This is Terrell Fuckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. Great Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I, I could wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go no. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What's happening, guys? This is Logan Robinson from Hear the Spirit, presented to you by OldGameDay.com. We are here live on a wonderful and the best Wednesday of the year. It is officially Florida State versus Miami week, one of, if not the best rivalry in college football. Might be a little biased here, but uh, incredible matchup that happens once a year, either down south or up in Doak. Uh, after last year's beating, you know, Mario Cristobal and the Hurricanes would like to probably have a different result or at least be able to show that they can compete with the Seminoles this year. But we'll see that on Saturday in a primetime matchup at 3.30. Looking forward to being up there and covering it with Dustin and the rest of our guys up in the press box and being back home for the weekend. But with me this evening is Austin VZ, our lead basketball writer and game preview guy for the season. And down below is Dustin Lewis, our editor-in-chief. Gentlemen, it's Miami week. How are we feeling? Feeling great. I mean, like you said, this is one that we have circled on the calendar every time the schedule comes out. Florida State Miami doesn't get much better than this. You know, this is the kind of game where you throw the records out the window because these two teams are going to go at it. And no matter if it's a 14-point spread in Florida State's favor or Whatever it is, I mean, you, you know, you can never rely on that. This is one that's just going to come down to grit. And, I mean, two teams going out there and going to war on Saturday afternoon. It's going to be fun. You know, Miami hasn't been the greatest since ACC play started, but you cannot throw anything out in this rivalry like Dustin was just saying. Anything goes. There's going to be some hard hits. There's going to be some some moments where the crowd's like, oh, it's, it's just that rivalry. Yep, one of the favorites since I was growing up, being there in the stands. Just It was a lot more of the Miami fans being up there and talking trash, but you'd see it on the field, and we've had tons of guests on here. Former Knowles say this is the one game that they 
pinpoint every year while you're in spring camp. Even Mike Norvell talked about in the press conference on Monday saying how big of a game of a rivalry this is. It just does a whole lot of things for your program, including recruiting as well, because these two teams really grab a lot of their talent here from Florida. So a lot of things, a lot of things goes into this. Sometimes your wife, girlfriend, also a Miami fan have to deal with that. So Mm-mm. you're also sitting separately on the other. You wouldn't Mm-mm. you wouldn't know he can't marry a can't marry a hurricane or a gator. Throw her out the car. <laughs> Jeez. Whoa, damn. <laughs> Starting off right off the bat like that. Okay. Here we are. Here we are. I like it. I like it. I like it. But definitely gonna be a fun one. We got quite a bit to uh talk about before we jump into that preview, guys. Uh, we're going to give our last thoughts on FSU Pittsburgh. We're going to talk about the latest college football playoff rankings, uh, this upcoming ACC championship uh, up there in Charlotte. Got a kind of some minor health updates on Jordan Travis, Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson. We've been seeing Johnny Wilson at practice this week. We're really looking forward to hearing what you've got for us on the practice observations part of this podcast, Dustin, because a lot of fans are seeing him practicing um, you know, you've been hitting us up, letting us know a few things here and there and what he's looked like. So I know our listeners going to look forward to that. Marlo Cristobal talks Florida State. Uh, also, we're going to talk uh, full-on practice observations and jump into our preview and give our score predictions at the very end. So kind of a jam-packed one here, but heavily focused on this rivalry on Saturday. As always, you can listen to this podca- podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. If you're on YouTube right now, hit that like button, subscribe so you get notified every time we release a new episode. I know a lot of y'all are coming in here this week, so just let you know we're always throwing up some interviews of players. Also, Mike Norvell from every practice of the of the week, whenever the media is allowed to be there. So uh, make sure you guys subscribe because there's a lot of content outside of just our Hear the Spear episodes and our instant reactions. There's also some VODs and some actual uh, player stuff that you guys can go listen to right as it ends. So make sure you hit that subscribe button. Gentlemen, let's give our last thoughts here on FSU's win up there in Pittsburgh. They they took care of business for the most part. It took a little while, definitely took a little while. But uh, for Jordan Travis, he's having a stellar last couple of weeks. You can tell he's in his groove, perfect timing as you're heading into the beginning of November, but they leave Pittsburgh 24 to seven. They don't keep that 30 point streak guys, but uh, still, still do what they need to do. And they're nine and zero on the season. It's crazy to think, you know, last year we were really looking forward to Florida state reaching that 10 win beating Oklahoma and their, and uh, their bowl game. Now they're just one win away. And you're at, like I said, in the early part of November. Uh, it's been an outstanding regular season so far for Florida state. Didn't get a ton of style points last weekend, obviously. One, a little bit ugly. Um, This is one where the offense, you know, struggled to get going earlier in this game, and the defense really had to step up and and hold par for Florida State for, you know, much of that first half. And then things got clicking as Jordan Travis and Ja'Kai Douglas kind of established a rhythm. Trey Bentz was able to get going in the second half. And then, I mean, consistently, Florida State's defense was able to shut down Pittsburgh I think we mentioned the instant reaction. I mean, that was the best game that an opposing offense has played against FSU's defense in a couple of weeks, the first time that FSU had surrendered over 300 yards in the past four games. But, I mean, regardless, a good effort on both sides of the ball. And, you know, you escape an upset bid by a Panthers team that was, I mean, really planned for its season, two and six. They needed to upset Florida State and continue to win out to be able to make the postseason And that was also the first loss for Pat Narduzzi in the month of November in the last two years. I mean, this is a Pittsburgh team that's played its best at the end of the season. And Florida State was able to go in there and 
I mean, a tougher than expected environment and pull that one out. Yeah, you, you would have wished for the execution to be a little bit better. You know, you talk about the fumble on the first drive. There's the fourth down call where Florida State doesn't convert. There's just a couple chances here and there where Florida State didn't quite make the plays that they needed to make. And if those go Florida State's way, it's a much different game. It's not often you see an offense go for 500 yards and have just 24 points. I think that's more of an anomaly compared to what we've seen the rest of the season. And I think they'll get back on track these last three games. It's a great chance for, for Florida State to, to really lock in this end of the season. You're already locked in the ACC championship game. You don't have to worry about that. You can just go go out there and worry about whooping Miami's ass. It's the best part. Exactly. 100%. You just got to take care of week by week your opponent. And, you know, Pittsburgh brought a lot of physicality. Narduzzi is a really good defen- defensive coach. He's been that way for a lot of years. So they, they gave their best. I thought Pittsburgh performed very well. And it, it showed uh, definitely at the score. You know, Florida State going back from a couple of games throughout the whole season, really putting these uh, putting these teams away. But uh, I think we all talked about this on our season preview. Pittsburgh, a team that we – uh, you know, it was not going to be the easiest to go up there and come away and easily smoke them out. And boom, you're out. Uh, they, they knew what they were doing. They wanted to try to make some make some noise. And they did. It made it highly competitive there in that first half. Florida State doing a good job, though, and, and responding and joining Travis to finding other connections like a Ja'Kai Douglas, uh, Darian Williamson, who had a really great catch, too. But, uh, you know, that's something that really impressed me of Jordan Travis's play. It's not so easy going through these going through these practices and you're going with your twos, your ones. You have to build a lot of chemistries. There's just so many targets, and I think we kind of eliminate that and what Jordan Travis has to prepare every week. There are so many different guys that JT has to build chemistry with, and he's done that definitely with his starting group, but he had to find his groove with the second-team guys, and uh, you know he did what he needed to do. And, the, and this tight end room, too, is also stepping up. Kyle Morlock is, is really become a, a solidified kind of a consistent – weapon for Jay Trav to go to a lot of these teams preparing well for Jaheim Bell because they know how how advanced he is and just different ways that he can be utilized in Mike Norvell's offense so Kyle Morlock kind of sneaks out there and then you also have Marquise and Douglas um, always making those little splash plays here and there but um, yeah definitely definitely nice to get away 9-0 you move on you got a rivalry game coming up this weekend which Mike Norvell uh, seems to be pretty amped about he is for every rivalry game. I think he really dials into these. I remember when he first had COVID and he couldn't go to the Miami game. You could tell how brutal that was for him on not being able to be there on the sideline. And now, obviously, we're getting it back. And Doak, last time, fourth and 14, should have wore the shirt, actually, from uh, Jay Trav and, and their camp they sent us last year. But um, it, it's going to be it's going to be super fun. Looking forward to it, even though it's not that 730 kickoff, man, not a 730 kickoff. Y'all fine with 330, though? Whatever works. It's going to be dark I, by halftime. Yeah, I would I would love for it to be a true night game because, you know, like we we're saying in the instant, there's nothing better than a rivalry game at night in Doe Campbell. I don't know why they decided to go with Texas TCU at the primetime slot instead. That just doesn't make sense to me. But, you know, what can you do? 330 is still better than noon. Screw nooners. Boys. <laughs> Had enough of them this year. Yeah, some that I wasn't expecting. I never would have thought going into the season that Florida State Clemson would be at noon. But there we were. There we were. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's, I think that's our last thoughts there on Pittsburgh. We've got a uh, Gary here on Facebook talking about Cypress and his play that he made, which was phenomenal. I mean, that should have been on a lot of top plays of the week for national outlets because uh, Fentrell 
man, he, he kind of saved himself there in coverage going down using his speed and uh, making that. Got my cat knocking down things behind me. I don't know what's <laughs> happening, but uh, let's move on. Obviously, does not want me talking about Fentral Cypress. I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm getting like pounded with plants coming off from behind me. That was uh, an amazing play, though. I watched it back again yeah. on the broadcast today. And I mean, just the awareness to not only get that ball out right before you cross over the goal line, but also, I mean, he goes flying out of bounds with the receiver and has the presence of mind to get back in and jump on that ball before the Pittsburgh player, there was a Pittsburgh player sprinting down who had noticed the ball in the end zone and he's able to get there before the Pittsburgh player. And actually Adam Fuller talked about it some on Monday and said Conrad Hussey had noticed the Pittsburgh receiver that was going down there to get that ball. And they had started going on an all out race. So it sounded like if Fentrell didn't get in to get that ball, the the other two guys, Hussey and and the Pittsburgh player were going to be fighting for it. But I mean, yeah, that was a big play for FSU. The offense didn't end up turning it into a scoring possession, but just to prevent Pittsburgh from getting out of the end zone early and and like the comment said, going up potentially 14 nothing with that scoring drive late into the game, I mean, that that could have changed a lot of what we saw in that first half. Cypress did get beat twice bad in this game, but at least he made up on one of them, forcing that fumble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. <sighs> Uh, but yeah, let's jump into these college football playoff rankings. Not much really changes, at least for your, your college football playoff rankings there and, and your top four. But there's definitely some top eight. Yeah, definitely some movement going on. I think there's been some funny discussions too. I'm interested to get y'all's takes on Alabama since it feels like uh, there's a lot of push for now Alabama if they beat Georgia, obviously and that SEC championship, then Florida State, do they budge any what's going on here? Uh, I've just been interested to see Twitter, but starting off with Georgia at one, Michigan two, Ohio State three, Florida State four, nothing changes there in your first bracket, but then it drops down in your top eight, Washington, Oregon at six, Texas seven, and then Alabama at eight. Jimin, what are y'all's thoughts on this because it is fun now to really have to key into all of these games every weekend. You know, at the kind of first half of the season, we're all just sitting there. We're going through week by week for Florida state, but now you got to keep an eye on a lot of these other teams because not only just the wins, but also the score differential, the margins there play a pretty vital role in this college football playoff committee team. Well, I would like to say it's actually Ohio state at number one and Georgia. Oh yeah number two so let's flip those but yeah let me flip it (laughs) I I thought it was honestly encouraging this week to see Florida State stay at number four and not drop to number five really showed that the committee is not having a lot of recency bias because you're looking at Florida State a 17 point win over Pittsburgh and then Washington had a 52 to 42 top 25 victory a really thrilling game um, against USC and you know, I thought there was a case we made potentially where you could flip the two teams, but it was it was good to hear last night uh, Book Oregon speaking after the, the college football playoff rankings were released. So they did take into account Florida State was without Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman, two massive playmakers on the offense. And you know, right now they view Florida State as a stronger team than Washington when it comes to the college football playoff. Yeah, I was also a little scared that – we're not scared, but a little concerned that Florida State might drop to five just because it's kind of the way the conversation's been is that Florida State's been closer to five than they have been at the top three. Um, but I think the committee's doing a good job of just sticking with their initial ranking and until something changes with those teams, whether they lose a game or 
you know, whatever, then they can make the adjustments. You know, my argument still stands from last week that I think FSU should be ahead of Michigan. Um, but I honestly don't really care right now. I didn't even watch the, the program. I forgot it was on last night. Um, so that's, that's where my thought process was. Props to you because it is just so <laughs> infuriating when they're like, all right, let's do the top 10 countdown from 10 to 1. Man, like, let's just. No, they do slow that. It, they take forever on each team with that. Oh, they my. do. And in, in my defense, Kennesaw State was playing at the same time, and that's Florida State basketball's first opponent for Friday. So I was getting a little scouting work mm-hmm. done. But yeah, just completely forgot. <laughs> that's understandable. That's under, you're, a, you're a hybrid. You're a hybrid. Yeah, not blaming you there at all whatsoever. But yeah, they don't start till 715. They spin down that top 10 that like Dustin was just saying there from 10 all the way up to uh, seven. Then they get then they then they slow it down even more. And then you go in. All right. Who's it going to be at six and five? But you know what? Got to get the ratings, all that kind of stuff. Yada, yada, yada. But yeah, if you're an FSC fan, you don't really have to hop on at seven. You can hop on at 715 and then you'll see Florida State rankings every time. Maybe even 720. <laughs> it might be. It might be. And it's but, even um, worse when you hop on to watch it and no one in the top eight changes. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. wasted 20 minutes of my life. Awesome. This could have been one single graphic. Especially a week like this where you just don't have any movement. I've seen a few people say that there shouldn't be a weekly show. It should be a monthly show. And I think I agree with that. But what about the ratings? Need the money or like a bi-weekly. I'll take a bi-weekly. Yeah, it just it, it doesn't need to be every week. I just do gotta, think. Have, go ahead, Logan. I was just gonna say you got to build up that hype and tension, man. Got to have it. For the or they can only do one after conference championship. I do think if there was going to be movement in the top four this week, you know, potentially Georgia going up to number one over Ohio State after that win against Missouri and Ohio State. I mean, they looked pretty questionable for. I mean, the majority of those three quarters of that win up at Rutgers, Rutgers doesn't throw a pick six. And, I mean, who knows where that one goes from there. And Georgia, on the other hand, I mean, handled Missouri for the most part in that victory. So, I mean, we'll see how it goes moving forward. Obviously, Ohio State, Georgia, and Michigan all have some top 25 opponents remaining in their regular season. Florida State probably not going to play another ranked team until the AC championship, depending on how Louisville finishes out the next couple of weeks. So, I mean, this discussion is going to, it's going to continue on until uh, we finalize these things. And even just this week alone, I mean, Ohio State's playing Michigan state, which doesn't really matter, but Michigan's playing Penn state. Georgia's playing Ole Miss. Washington's playing Utah. There's a ton of good games this week. And, you know, there may be some natural movement by, you know, Georgia potentially falling to Ole Miss. So we'll see. One game to watch out for, speaking of the ACC championship, Louisville plays on Thursday night against Virginia there. They could seal up and get that ACC championship berth, correct? I believe they could if they win against Virginia. I think all but seal it up, yeah. Yeah, that would pretty much do it. Yeah, they should because, yeah, they don't have one conference game left and they own the tiebreaker and they're the only team with one loss right now. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm just looking at Georgia Tech. Yeah, and I, they'll lose to Clemson, I would expect, so because the stock is rising per Dabo Sweeney on the Tigers. Uh, well, the game is in Clemson. It's in Clemson, hard place to win. It is. Florida State's the only one that has done it. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. But another game to watch, too, if you're talking about some college football playoff rankings, Michigan at Penn State. That's at noon. It's a big nooner 
So we'll be keeping an eye on that and seeing what Michigan can do. There are a lot of off the off the field drama, man. Um, a lot of drama going on there. I just but, I love the I love the blame passing that's going around right now. Oh, it's I love been... it. They're all tattling on each other. Then Ohio State or uh, Michigan's like, well, I got stuff on you, Ohio State. And then, and then Michigan's saying all the other teams had stuff on us that they were sharing between each other. Yeah, I just think, I think it's phenomenal. I think it's phenomenal. I love it. And then the LLC that's going to the running back now, Blake Corum, and I don't even, I didn't know. even see. I didn't even see that. Yeah, there, there's like an LLC between <laughs> him and Connor Stallions. This, I mean, I don't even know what this investigation could turn into at this point. Good lord! Mm-hmm. And they've got basically they a month. To, they've got a month to figure it out before the final playoff rankings come out. Mm-hmm. We've also got some other great game. A, a slate of football is beautiful this weekend, Amazing. including, of course, Florida State and Miami, but Utah at number five, Washington there. Uh, and then you've also got Ole Miss at Georgia, not one to overlook as well. Could there could this be a potential kind of upset weekend? It, it kind of feels like something's warming up to it. It's kind of been quiet the last couple of weeks. Top teams doing what they need to do due for some disruption, man. And if not, if this continues to do the thing, these teams win as they're expected, then there's going to be high, high, high drama. Like it's going to be even more just of how you're going to notch into the top four. Definitely if Alabama beats Georgia, uh, it's a big conversation. The Pac-12 Pac as well. Like you know, there's just so many good teams from conferences and it, it, it could get interesting, gentlemen. It could get interested, interesting. I just don't think Florida State's in – that target of, of getting eliminated from that top four, if they continue to win and then they take care of what they need to do in Charlotte, but we've seen crazier things. We have definitely seen crazier things, but I, you just can't, can't take away Florida state, the talent that they have. And definitely if it's health, there's all kinds of things that the committee could look at, but um, if it's a healthy Florida state team, you're not taking them out of the top four. Florida State, we've said it before on the show, they've already played their toughest slate of games, and then now these other top three teams in the playoffs are going through that stretch. So we'll see if they're able to survive. Georgia has been playing with fire all season. Will Ole Miss finally be the team that gets them? This will be the toughest game that Michigan has played uh, in all of 2023, and it comes on the road in Happy Valley. So it's could be a fun weekend in college football. And you've got – you really got to keep – I shouldn't say root for Louisville because I don't think anyone ever really can. Um, but you do need them to continue to win games while some of these other teams that other them lose. Like if Penn State loses to Michigan, Louisville's all of a sudden a top 10 team. If Alabama loses to Auburn at the end of the year, Louisville keeps moving up. And if you somehow beat, who knows, seventh ranked Louisville in the ACC title game, looks a lot better for maybe getting a two seed. And if Washington loses to Utah this weekend, you're talking about Florida State, and those other three teams in there being the final four undefeated teams at the top. I, I think at that point, you know, if those four continue to win out, it's going to be hard to make an argument to knock any of them out of the final field. Yeah. Well, Ohio State and Michigan do play in two weeks. So a little hard to say that. That's a good, that's a good point. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Fair, fair argument. Yeah. Nope. I, I'm looking forward to it. Starting off right at noon, man. It's gonna be interesting. We definitely got to keep an eye too, and, and just watch and do some scouting now. A lot of FSU fans will do the same. Looking at Louisville uh, tomorrow night when they do face uh, Virginia. This team plays physical. They've got a good front seven. It's gonna be something that we'll be, be observing and, and look into. Definitely, if they get the win, we'll be already you know kind of understanding 
what kind of uh, what kind of team that Florida State's going to be facing because they still got to get that one more win and that championship to move on and, and get that potentially uh, get that get that playoff bid. So uh, still a lot for Florida State to handle, and it obviously starts with Miami Hurricanes, which they're going to try everything in their power to ruin it all for Mike Novell and the Seminoles. Uh, let's jump into uh, what Mike was talking about uh, with the rivalry game. Mario Cristobal, what they bring quarterback-wise. Uh, also, some health updates, too, uh, which you can kind of mix here, Dustin, with the practice observations, I guess. But we saw Johnny Wilson. He's out at practice. Uh, Mike Norvell talking again. Didn't really give a full-on update there for us. It's kind of been that way the last couple of weeks. But uh, he did feel a lot more optimistic that we're going to see some more production, at least in practices, to get a better evaluation on who's going to be available this upcoming weekend. Um, but what have you seen, particularly, Dustin? I'm going to kind of tr- mix it over to the practice observation, specifically on Johnny Wilson. Saw him walk in the practice and everything. He's participating. Uh, what have you seen from him after the last couple of weeks? We haven't seen him out on the game fields. There's some optimism that he gets back uh, on the field for Florida State this weekend. Obviously, you know, Mike Norvell said as much on Monday. And, I mean, we've heard the last couple of weeks during these games that he's missed that he's continued to make progress towards a return. Still not entirely sure the injury that he suffered. You know, that's undisclosed from Florida State. But, you know, regardless, this seems to be as good as he's been in the last couple of weeks since suffering that injury in the third quarter um, against Duke. And Johnny Wilson, especially on Tuesday, I mean, he looked like uh, he looked like Johnny Wilson. He had some of those, I mean, just padded in highlight catches where he goes up vertical and pulls it down with two hands over his head. And it's just like, man, how does anyone in the country guard that when Johnny Wilson is on? And then today, I mean, had a very impressive play where he used all of his six foot seven frame, those long arms to reach down toward his toes and grab a ball right before it hit the ground. So, I mean, he's he's had some flashes this week in practice. You know, we'll see how things continue to go over these next couple of days. But, I mean, definitely a positive sign for Florida State to hopefully get one of their star receivers. I mean, maybe even both back this weekend when Florida State takes on Miami and Doak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mike's saying, I do see us at a bet- much better spot. We'll see how the week goes regarding Keon Coleman as well, along with Johnny Wilson, like you were just talking about, too. And we... Noticed this on the broadcast this last weekend, but Jay Trav kind of hindering his knee a tiny bit. Seemed like he got dinged up there at the end of the game. Tate Rodemaker ended up coming in. That's Mike Norvell told us, you know, that was planned. Don't need to see Jay Trav out there that late anyways. Though in Rodemaker didn't have to do anything with injury-wise, but he did confirm that Jay Trav is fine. He kind of laughed at the question and, you know, I was like, he's – Good to go. He was just showing me a little grass stain grass on the sideline. <laughs> I'm sh- pretty sure Mike was like, "Are you okay? Uh, what's going on?" But uh, yeah, it was fine. Jay Trav was on the sideline, laughing, hugging with Trey Benson and everything after the game with his baseball cap on. So everything's good there. So you, you, QB one's good to go. Uh, but yeah, Keon Coleman, if he can be, if he can be a go on Saturday, we know how that changes not just the, the game, but at, at this offense, it, it just, it transforms it and it, there's better execution. And you could tell too, from this last weekend, a lot of these one-on-one balls, you pressed on a lot during our recap, BZ, a lot of these one-on-one balls, man, the, these other guys can't make like Keon Coleman. And not a lot of people in the country can either. There's just maybe one more like Marvin Harrison. 
even if they don't, even if Keon or Johnny doesn't play, you got to get at least one of them back. Just helps things so much out with the offense. And it's also just a red flash in light for the opposing defense. Like, oh my God, Johnny Wilson. Oh my God, Johnny Wilson. We got to allocate resources. Opens up some other things. No disrespect to the rest of the receivers, but if Florida State's rolling out Ja'Kai Douglas, Tron, and Destin Hill, the other secondary is not as concerned with that. Yeah, no, that's the thing. You know, Florida State likes to take those shots, and Jordan Travis told us after the Clemson game he's always going to take those chances with Keon Coleman. He's just he's so reliable in that, and, you know, he's just got crazy hands. That's just straightforward. It's just who he is, as talented, uh, going to be uh, a first-round potential draft pick in this upcoming year's draft uh, with Marvin Harrison up there as well. Just super loaded there. Uh, also, Mike Norrell talking about Kalen Deloach, who I think who we've, we have been week by week giving him props, but he's having an excellent, excellent season. A guy that's stuck around with this program has been through the thick and thin, just everything uh, that you know has had to change culture-wise in that locker room and has turned into becoming a really big leader. When we first met him, Dustin, 2021, when we first credentialed, you know, we were talking with him. He's a lot more of a quiet guy then. It's a whole 180 now. This guy really presents himself well to the program and also has stepped up to be a big-time leader in the locker room. But Mike Norrell saying Kalen has been an explosive player. I think he's having an incredible year overall. But uh, major props there from the, the head man on Kalen Deloach and that whole unit. Also, they're they're living up to what we expected them to play. Mm-hmm. I will say there was a lot of expectations on this veteran group, and uh, they're they're showing up on Saturdays. These last two years, I mean, the linebackers, especially those top three of Kalen Deloge, Tatum Bethune, and DJ Lundy, have been, I mean, very good, very consistent for Florida State. And I mean, what's even better about those guys is normally all three of them are in the lineup. They played a lot of football over the last couple of years. Um, for the Seminoles. But yeah, Kalen Deloach, I mean, he's grown as much as anybody since he arrived in Tallahassee. And I'll remind you guys back in the preseason, I actually named him my defensive MVP for FSU's mm-hmm. 2023 season. I feel like he's living up to that so far, um, leading the team in sack so far, despite not being a guy who blitzes a ton and is just a confident, confident veteran and a, a vocal leader for the Seminoles. And you know, along with a bunch of those other guys on the defense is part of the heart and soul of Florida State. So, Kalen Deloach, definitely a big piece in um, Florida State making this run over the last couple of years. Uh, also, some practice talk here from Mike Norvell since it is Rivalry Week. We got we to talk everything here. But Mike Norvell saying that he feels like uh, they're in a really good spot overall. I thought it was a good day. We saw guys getting a lot of work. Uh, continuing to compete, push themselves, and get in a great spot for game week. We have two more days leading up to Saturday, so we need to keep continue to keep growing and uh, clean up uh, a few of their mistakes. Um, and this is kind of going to be what I was going to bring up. Like you know, when it's a rivalry game like this, you're going to have to deal with some adversity. Adversity. There's going to be some things where people also too get in your face. It's going to get a little chippy. We saw a few things kind of this season where uh, really youngsters more than anything. Uh, falling in the bad spot of getting these flags and penalties. But um, Minervell really pressing on the guys to make sure that their mentals are good for this one as well. He says, uh, you know, controlling emotions is uh, 
and such an emotional game is essential. We prepare emotionally every day, pushing the players to be in control and apply the finest details in the heat of the moment. I think he should write a book. I mean, he kind of just (laughs) some of these things, some of these quotes, kind of a little bit like uh, Mike Tomlin and Tad Bit. He said, running out of the tunnel is a unique experience, and we simulate it as best as possible during practice to prepare for the intensity of the game. Rivalry games like this are always important, and our players understand the significance of this matchup and the history it carries. Um, But anything that really maybe stood out to you on some of the interviews in particular, Dustin, this week from any of the players or coaches that you guys uh, spoke with? I would say really um, just Jordan Travis. Got a chance to speak with him. Um, after Wednesday's practice, this is going to be the last chance that he gets to play Miami in his career at Florida State. And he's obviously had a big impression on this rivalry over the last two years, especially in 2021. He said that was a game that changed his whole life. And it's actually funny because I was doing some research um, earlier this week just on Jordan Travis and dating back to the 2021 Miami game and the way that his game has changed since that night, I think we can all go back. I mean, it's been two years so not, maybe not everyone remembers, but at the time, Jordan Travis had a career high in passing yardage, didn't actually end up throwing a touchdown that night, but was able to guide Florida state on the game winning drive against Miami with under two minutes left in the game, had that 59 yard pass to Ja'Kai Douglas to get it going. The, the epic fourth and 14 conversion that we mentioned, uh, couple times on the podcast now to Andrew Parchment and then Jordan able to run it in and also get the two-point conversion himself to uh, spark Florida State to that victory. But yeah, just going back through it, Jordan Travis in 22 games before that victory against Miami in 2021, he had passed for 2,018 yards, 18 touchdown passes to 12 interceptions, and also had 1,362 rushing yards to 14 touchdowns. And after that, in 24 games, only two more than how many he had played before going into that 2021 Miami matchup. I mean, you can just see it uh, 7.1% better completion percentage, 6,136 yards over the last couple of seasons, 47 touchdown passes to eight interceptions. That's a 5.9 to one touchdown to interception ratio. And also 735 rushing yards. So still continuing to be a threat with his legs and 15 touchdowns. I mean, still getting in the end zone as much as he did before when, I mean, he ran a lot more each game. So it's been really impressive. I mean, just to see what Jordan Travis has developed into at Florida State. Mm-hmm. And like also dealing with different coaches as well, you know, flipping around with definitely quarterbacks coach in particular, they're going from Dillingham over to Tony Tokars. You know, there's a lot of things that have changed throughout his career outside of just, you know, coaching staff changes just right there in his room alone. And, you know, shout out to uh, Tokars as well. Such a young coach getting his first gig as a quarterback's coach of this level of the program. You can definitely tell Mike Norvell, he's, as usual, does a good job uh, of scouting not only players-wise, also in the transfer portal recruiting. He's doing a good job there, but also whenever he's bringing in some coaches and believing in some of his youngsters. We all knew that coming in. You know, he did that as well uh, during his time at Memphis. But he, he does this well, and, you know, Tony Tokars has done such a good job hands-on, not only with J-Trav, but you mm-hmm. look at Tate Rodemaker too, and we're not overlooking Tate Rodemaker not starting the 2024 season. 
over there in Ireland. I don't think any of us are overthinking that Tate Rodemaker would not be heavily into that competition once it begins. He's looked good when he's came in, you know, obviously not starting the first quarter, second quarter and such. Luckily hasn't need to, hasn't needed to be knock on wood, but when he's gone in, he's taking care of the ball. Some of these balls coming out of his hand, man, they're nice. They're nice. I think a lot of FSU fans are noticing that as well when he gets in there, but it's a guy that understands the system. He's been around uh, this team for a while, and I think Tony Tokars has been a really, really good um, coach in that room to help improve that whole room, and particularly J-Trav, like you were just talking about. He definitely looks a lot better. I mean, there were times when he came in in relief duty in 2021. And I mean, even a couple times last season where he kind of looked like a deer in the headlights and really think that game against Louisville did a lot for him and kind of breaking that glass ceiling and, and kind of showing Rodemaker that he can do it at this level. And that's just inspired him over the last year. And we can't forget about Brock Lynn. I mean, he's had some really good strides since he arrived at Florida State back in January. So even once Jordan Travis moves on, following the 2023 season, there's no question it is going to be a very tough task for Florida State to replace him with all he's done over the last couple of years. I mean, we're talking about on on Saturday, Jordan Travis, there's a chance that he scores the 100th touchdown of his college career. He's at 97 total touchdowns going into this game. Wouldn't it be fitting for him to get three <laughs> on Saturday after, after what I was just telling you with the Miami 2021 stats with all he's gone through to finally get that number. And I mean, man, that would be crazy for him, but it's, it's going to be no easy task for Florida state to replace him, but they do have some guys in the wings, Tate Rodemaker, Brock Glenn, obviously Luke Croman hot coming in, in this 2024 recruiting class. Got to be really excited about the future of this quarterback room. Yeah. I think 24 is Tate's to lose. Obviously I know this is a conversation for March, but to me, 24 is Tate's to lose. And then that battle in 25 between Croman Hawk. Duffy and Glenn, if everybody stays, I think that's going to be a really fun battle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to that. Might have to stay the week up there with you, Dustin, for that one. Might have to stay there for a couple of days of camping instead of just one. Is that all right with you? I got a guest bedroom. All right, good to get in. Even though my whole family lives there, I'll just come stay with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, uh, definitely something to look ahead for next year, but definitely some good notes there. Good job calculating those and getting those stats out. That was a good tweet. Make sure you're following Dustin on Twitter at Dustin Lewis and G uh, Mario Cristobal too. We know this, this content is always out on Noel, noelgameday.com. Make sure you guys are going on there. The guys do a phenomenal job. Our writing team has been so consistent. They've been putting out some awesome content throughout the season. I, I think it's the best we've been yet in a year, but uh, just specifically, you know, we're grabbing, opponents, coaches, and grabbing some quotes there. And Mario Cristobal kind of keeping it short than most of the other coaches that we've heard from this, this season, not really in particular of talking and identifying each player, each player, all that kind of stuff, but just specifically on the rivalry overall. He said, I think it's the best one. I played in it, coached in it. I just think it's the best one there is. The intensity is unmatched. And then he talked about Florida State being a potential, you know, championship caliber team. He said they're a very upperclassman led team. They're very talented, very stout, big, and strong at the line of scrimmage and very explosive at the skill positions. The quarterback is certainly a difference maker there, talking about Jordan Travis. Um, but uh, just a few things from really Cristobal there. He talked also about just more into the rivalry and, you know, how getting his team getting prepped for that and everything. Um, but, you know, for both coaches, they'll 
agree with one another. It doesn't take too much for them to get their players energized and everything. Mike Ravel saying that he really, really liked how the team showed up during Sunday's practice when they got back from Pittsburgh, really liked the mentality and attitude they had. And Dustin, you're there at these practices and we'll jump into some practice observations with this, but um, I, I, I I can only imagine, you know, Jared Verse, maybe even more Braden Fisk here, kind of licking their chops after what maybe they're seeing on some film and the quarterback that Miami's uh, been putting out there on the field the last couple of weeks. Yeah, there was a ton of energy in practice. Mike Norbell said on Tuesday that, you know, this isn't the week where he has to give the players any sort of extra motivation. They already know what they're going into when Florida State plays Miami and I mean that was evident on both sides of the ball I mentioned Jordan Travis um, I thought he was outstanding this week in practice I mean just really crisp making some high level throws um, some very good decisions where you can see him going through those one two three four reads before making the check down and stuff some stuff that got some praise from Mike Norvell I mean he was just operating at um, an extremely high level and you know he's not taking this final game against Miami for granted and I think he wants to go out there and, and make one last statement uh, his final chance to do so in this rivalry. I mean, he was just outstanding. Had a beautiful throw to Jaheim Bell, streaking down the opposite sideline today, just right in the bread basket. Had one to Destin Hill in the corner of the end zone where he floated it just enough where only his receiver could get it, not and not the DB. Um, very, very good two days that we got to see from Travis out there. I mentioned Johnny Wilson. He was one of the standouts, a wide receiver. I thought Vandravius Jacobs had a strong week for Florida State, making some plays coming off that game where he had a reception against Pittsburgh. Conrad Hussey, um, especially on, on Wednesday, had an interception in the end zone today. I'll, I'll talk about Blake Nicholson because he had some big plays as well before Hussey. But Hussey comes away with an interception, had a pass deflection as well to, to prevent a completion. You know, sparking some confidence there for the true freshman after forcing two turnovers this past weekend. And then Blake Nicholson. I mean, my God, Florida State has a future monster at linebacker. Blake Nicholson can continue to progress. I mean, we already see him making some plays in the running game, but his ability to defend the pass. I mean, man, sticking with a, a running back and making a pass deflection today out of the backfield and then match up against a, a wide receiver on the very next play. Um quarterback throws into the end zone and he goes up vertical in front of the receiver to make an interception that had Adam Fuller and Mike Norvell sprinting over there to celebrate. So some huge plays from a couple of true freshmen. I like Hussey and I like the improvement that we're seeing here from Blake Nicholson to be able to go in and with your own roster and have these younger guys develop and it seems like they're developing week by week. Mm -hmm. I think that's what Mike Ravel said, or maybe it was Adam Fuller. You know, a lot of these guys are really showing nice and pretty. I think, yeah, it was Mike Ravel because he was talking about Conrad and, you know, kind of making a mistake there, here and there, week by week. But they're learning and they're learning from that and trying to get better. And Conrad Hussey is one of those guys that I was extremely high on him was you know, I thought it was huge land for Florida State to have that kind of young, talented safety that they could work in on their own. I was not expecting, though, to see Conrad Hussey so much this early on in the season, right, guys? Yeah, he's like, played. Get this much production in the season. He's played in all nine games. Now has forced three turnovers, and I mean, we even saw it dating back to fall camp when he was one of the guys picking off Jordan Travis during those practices and had a really crazy stretch down there at UNF and Jacksonville. 
there's just something about this kid where he's able to get around the football and make plays. I mean, a natural, I mean, call him a ball hawk if you want to. We'll see how it continues to unfold for Conrad Hussey. But just like Blake Nicholson, if he can continue to progress, um, the future of Florida State's defense, very bright with some of the talent coming in. And they have a, a really good DB class committed in 2024, too, if anyone doesn't know. I mean, a guy named K.J. Bolden. Charles Lester, I don't know if anyone's ever heard of those guys before, a couple other ones as well. The DB room, um, not only with who's on the roster, but who's going to be on the roster. I mean, Florida State just stacking up talent. Hussey's just a playmaker. There's no other way around it. And I know this is going to be the second time I've referenced 2025, but that safety tandem of Hussey and K.J. Bolden, it's pretty exciting. Might be the best Florida State's had in a long time. Too much talent, too much younger guys coming in. Uh, I love it. I love it. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun and very competitive too, as well, because you've got some guys that are in their second year as well that are have shown you signs since their freshman year as well. Like a guy like Azaray Thomas, who you know just has those natural abilities, physical attributes as well. But yeah, defensive back room, you know, with Coach Sertan too in his first year. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like what's happening back there. Um, let's jump into some Miami talk. Unless there's anything else from uh, practice maybe that stands out to you. I mean, I I know, just gonna... we can't talk injury-wise, but we saw we saw Johnny Wilson. Um, trying to think of some guys that got dinged up in that game that we saw come back. Jared Verse, obviously, he's throwing around. Jordan Travis before practices. He's fine. He's good to go. All day Dre um, got knocked up at the end of the game. Yeah, I mentioned yes. he had a decent week of practice. Um, Keon Coleman got involved in, in red zone drills earlier today, caught a pass from Jordan Travis. Deuce Span got to see some of that speed working over the middle on a route in seven on seven on a on a really nice throw from uh, Tate Rodemaker, who we've already given some praise to today so i mean we'll see florida state's wide receiver core has been beat up these last couple of weeks it'll be huge i mean not only for them to get johnny and Gion back but deuce span wasn't available in the last game hakeem williams has obviously not been available the last couple of weeks i think we could all tell destin hill was definitely not 100 percent. i mean we saw that catch after the play um it looked like he was a little gimpy there um against pittsburgh kentron has struggled with injuries throughout the season so I thought it was impressive regardless last week for them to have that kind of production, but it would be huge if they're able to get some of these guys back or at least closer to full strength in a game like this against Miami, who has a terrific tandem of safeties that we're going to talk about. Yeah, I mean, last week, Florida State's only fully healthy wide receivers were basically Ja'Kai Douglas, Terry Williamson, and all day Dre. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you were lying a ton on your tight end room. And then yeah. Dre got hit in the head. Yeah. Yeah. So, Pretty insane that Travis can go for 360 with that. Yeah. Also, too, a lot of praise there for Vondravius Jacobs and the press conference from Mike Norvell. I'm glad he did because, you know, Vondravius looked like the best player in the wide receiver room for the first couple of practices. Just kid was making plays left and right. Then kind of gets dinged up there, not fully healthy to begin the season. And then he comes down, and I believe that was a third down play where he converted and got that first down. I might be wrong on that. I think, I think I'm right, though. Or Von Travis Jacobs went in action um, and was uh, able to convert. Um, but, yeah, Von Travis Jacobs 
got a lot of praise from Mike Norvell talking about, you know, that specific play, him coming in while a lot of, he hasn't had a lot of playing time and making that play for Florida state was big. And uh, a lot of these, a lot of these true freshmen, man, are super, super impressive. You know, I think in a couple of years, we'll look back and be like, man, it, it was, it was covered up so much because of what Florida state was able to bring back a lot of their veterans and stars ahead and then that first team, but there's a lot of really good, strong, strong potential that these guys are going to bring throughout the next couple of years in their careers and, and put up some some good stats for the Seminoles in their future. So you were close, uh, but it was actually a second and nine, but either yeah. way it led to a touchdown drive for Florida State. The touchdown to okay. Marquise and Douglas where they were going to hurry up. Good. Okay. Dang. Excited for Dre, man. Excited for Dre. I know you and I are, love that kid, Dustin. He's really fun to watch. Um but he was he's one great. of those. He was great in the spring. Mm-hmm. It was like, what in the world does have for does Florida State have on its roster? Because we already knew what was coming in and the transfer portal and what they already had on the roster. But man, super super nice kid, and uh, maybe not to the fans though leaving the stadium that were talking shit to him. Maybe, do you see that? What's that on my screen? I don't know. I saw that earlier. Yeah. I was That's the first time I've seen it. Right when you did a uh, thumbs up too. You do it on your screen. See if it does it. It doesn't want to do your thumbs. No, well, I, I don't know. That was weird. Audio people are probably wondering what the hell we're talking about. But it's random things popping up on my screen. I saw that I, when I the show didn't... started, and I was just staring at it. Are you getting hacked? <laughs> do you have something to worry about? Something's happening, and I don't really need that. I never really asked for like the animations to come on Streamyard, but all right, well, we'll take it, I guess. All right, gentlemen, let's jump into Florida State, Miami to end off this last segment of the show. Let's preview this one, one of the best rivalries in college football. Florida State doing what they do, 9-0 on the season, but Miami, not maybe the season that they wanted, nor do they usually get with the offseason hype. It's an offseason team for sure. They win the championship every offseason, as we know. But they're coming off of a pretty brutal loss at NC State, only able to put up six points on the board. Gentlemen, uh, what what's what standing out to you guys just going into this game overall? It's been tough times for the Hurricanes over the last couple of weeks. I think what stands out is just how poorly Tyler Van Dyke has played. Ten interceptions in his last four games. Miami's offense has just been sluggish. And at the same time, Van Dyke has been playing through injuries, trying to gut it out for the Hurricanes, but, I mean, just hasn't been able to be productive enough to guide them to victories. And also Miami coming to this matchup, they haven't been on the road a ton this season. This will only be their third road game of the year. They are one and two so far um, beat Temple, which I think it's just even funny that Miami went and played at Temple. It's it's their fourth road game, by the way. This is their their fourth road game. They played three this season. Yeah, one and two on the road. Um, lost last week, 20 to six NC state lost previously to UNC 41 to 31 and uh beat temple on the road. So this will be a test for the hurricanes going into probably the most hostile environment yet in 2023. Yeah. You already mentioned Tyler Van Dyke's 10 interceptions. What you failed to mention is that he only has five touchdowns in that yeah. same span. Mm-hmm. And if you take out his productive UNC game in ACC play, he has just one touchdown and eight interceptions. He's just been brutal. They've, they've tested some things with Emory Williams. I'm curious to see if he's going to end up getting the start in this game. But it's been a brutal passing attack for, for Miami and ACC play. It's really about the running game. 
They've got this running game that's predicated on getting those consistent six, eight yard gains and getting those third and shorts that they can convert easily. If they're in third and long, they essentially have no shot. And it's going to be important for not only Florida State's defensive line to show up, but the linebackers have to be spectacular in this game. And that's kind of the curious part of this one. Florida State obviously dealing with injuries and we're not exactly sure who's going to be able to play yet as far as those wide receivers. Then Miami, is Tyler Van Dyke going to be able to play or are the Hurricanes going to throw true freshman Emory Williams out there on the road for his second career start? Did guide the Hurricanes to, I don't want to say guide, but he was started out there for the Hurricanes during that overtime victory against Clemson, did enough to help Miami get the win there. I think it'd be a lot tougher for him to get that start on the road. Um, Crystal Ball, non-committal about who Miami's starting quarterback will be on Saturday. So, I mean, that's going to be something that we'll be looking at during pregame to see if it's going to be Tyler Van Dyke or, or Emory Williams, Florida State. They've played against Van Dyke these last three seasons. They're very familiar with Emory Williams because they recruited him out of high school, Florida State. Um, continued to stay in contact with him, build a relationship after he had made a commitment to Miami last season. So, I think they've got to be somewhat – familiar with his strengths and weaknesses if he is going to go out there and play should be an interesting dynamic depending on which guys out there yeah you know Miami's definitely like y'all were talking about going to rely on that rushing game they've got some good running backs that's one thing that Miami's been able to do uh, and run blocking that's something that has opened up for Parrish Cheney those guys it's a talented backfield that they can utilize but you know when you're dealing with Florida State's front it's really going to be interesting to see starting off what Adam Fuller decides to do depending on which quarterback it's going to be but let's say it's Tyler Van Dyke with his interception ratio and touchdown ratio there's a lot of things that you know Tyler Van Dyke is just not clicking on um, and is not expected and just doesn't seem like Miami has been able to at least Chris Ball and his staff it's just crazy to see the switch, though, for Tyler Van Dyke from just a couple of years ago, high expectations, and he also performed very well on the field. And then you see this flip-flop, and do you put the blame on Chris Ball and his staff, or is this, is this specifically a Tyler Van Dyke thing? That was his, you know, he hit his ceiling a few seasons ago. And, and also, too, health. You know, it's a kid that has been dealing with health problems and staying, uh, staying healthy has been something that has really been problematic throughout his career in Miami. I tweeted Saturday night during the game that I don't think I've ever seen a player regress more over their careers than Tyler Van Dyke. I mean, after his first season, everyone's like, oh, he's going to be a first-round pick in two years. And now we're at this point in his senior year where I don't even think he's going to get an undrafted free agent shot. He's just been so poor this season. You know, even even including those first four games against Miami of Ohio, Texas A&M, Bethune, Cookman, and Temple, he's still 16 touchdowns to 11 interceptions. It's not exactly a very reading endorsement. Yeah, whether it's scheme or, I mean, just the fact of being beat up these last two years. Because even in this matchup last year, Tyler Van Dyke, we all saw it. He tried yeah. to gut it out, play through an injury, and, I mean, it was it was ugly. And at, at, it got to a certain point where you just feel bad for the kid that he's in that type of position on a national stage and, and has to look like that out there. And I kind of felt like it was the same thing last week, watching him against North Carolina State. I mean, he could not move. He's there's definitely a lower body injury. We've we've saw a report earlier this season that he was dealing with a, a right leg injury and seems like he's been dealing with an, an arm injury, a hand injury that forced him to miss that game against Clemson. So he's just he's beat up. And I think it's maybe a little bit of both, but 
I think it's a ring endorsement of Mario Cristobal on Miami that they're still making that kid go out there each week and put himself through that when he is clearly not even close to 100%. I don't even think he's 75%. He looks he looks beat up. He's a fighter that's in the ninth round right now. I mean. And, and they've had basically no downfield passing attack the last three weeks. It's been a lot of hitches, a lot of screens, a lot of short stuff. There's been nothing downfield, and Restrepo has been pretty limited the last few weeks by other defenses. And I think part of it's because Van Dyke's just not 100%. He, he can't get his all into some of these throws. And yeah, like you're saying, it's just, it looks rough for him out there sometimes. Mm. Yeah, that certainly doesn't look pretty. And so looking at Florida State's def- defensively, Adam Fuller, you know, I think from the beginning of the season, kind of were not so big on you know how Florida State was produced or performing there defensively in the run game they started clicking and everything and the trenches started to close up and you know it's going to rely like how we're talking about the veteran linebacker corp for this one as well you know that's at those quarter two quarterbacks they can't trust them to throw or only going to stick with intermediate routes short gains you know they're really going to push that run and you got to look at Fabo uh, Joshua Farmer who's had a really solid season as well Braden Fisk um and the rest of that crew to help stuff that run. If you kind of do that, Florida State's going to put points up on the board. Um, we know that, but like I were talking about earlier, though, there, there's some talented, talented defensive players, though, on Miami's roster. You look first, you know, before we jump into that safety room, but Ruben Bain has been such a solid addition for the Hurricanes. Uh, everything expected such a young player too, who's been able to make some, make some plays and uh, bring in some sacks as well, but he's at six and a half on the season. Um, a total right now, 29 tackles, uh, 16 solos. This kid doesn't usually miss tackles. He's been, a, he's done a good job of that on the season, but some Florida State's going to have to do a good job on the offensive line wise uh, at the tackle position to watch out for him. He's everything that Miami thought he was going to be as a true freshman was absolutely outstanding as a senior at Miami Central. I mean, throughout his high school career was just a productive when it came to sacking the quarterback. And I mean, he's doing that. He's been getting after passers throughout this entire season. Um, This is one that Florida State, they would have loved to have Ruben Bain in Tallahassee, unfortunately lost out in this recruitment, going to have to face him on Saturday in Doe Campbell Stadium. Going to be an interesting matchup for Florida State's offensive line, definitely one of the better pass rushers, which is crazy to say because he's only a true freshman, but definitely one of the better guys that they've seen so far this season. And um, it, it should be interesting because I'm sure he's going to want to come out and, and put a stamp on his first appearance in this Florida State and Miami rivalry. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how he looks this weekend because last weekend against NC State, I know he was getting double teamed pretty frequently, but you could tell he was kind of gassed. He's played a lot of snaps in ACC play just going off PFF, he played 72 snaps against UNC, 62 against Clemson, and then 74 against Virginia. He's just been on the field so much. But he was also, you know, racking up the production. You know, over that time, he had six sacks, tons of pressures. And then last week at NC State, no pressures, no sacks, no hurries, nothing. So I'm curious to see if he's starting to get a little bit fatigued. You know, college season's obviously a lot longer than a high school season is. He's a true freshman, like you're just saying. He's a great player. I I kind of hope he's a little too worn down because <laughs> just because sure. how good he is, but it's definitely something to, to watch out for. Mm-hmm. When that FSU 
Miami rivalry adrenaline hits though you know I think you hit a different kind of gear there while you're on the field so I would expect for a full force of, of Ruben Bain super talented and like you were saying there Dustin they would have loved to add this to this defensive end room I mean that this kid would have been playing quite a lot of quite a lot of snaps man um, with uh, Jared Verse and Pat Payton he'd, he'd be pushing for some playing time as a true freshman man with that ability for sure. And, and I think you've also got to talk about Miami's defensive backfield, especially the safeties. Um, James Williams was someone that got some criticism last year. It seems like he's risen his level of play. Obviously, a guy that stands at six foot five. He's uh, leading the team with 51 tackles, also has an interception and a forced fumble in 2023. And then you go to Cameron Kitchens, a guy who, you know, like I kind of called Comrade Hussey, if he can keep developing a ball hawk. That's exactly what Cameron Kinchins is. He's all around the football, um, 43 tackles, one sack, four interceptions, five pass deflections, and one defensive touchdown for Miami in 2023. So, you know, we were mentioning the health of Florida State's wide receivers. This is why you're going to need these guys on Saturday to go out there and have some success um, against this Miami defense. Jordan Travis, he was locked in this week in practice. He's going to need to bring that into this game and have a huge performance against the Hurricanes. Yeah, and J-Trap's done a good job of taking care of the ball. You know, kind of saw some slip-ups at the beginning of the season. And like I was saying earlier in this podcast, I think it was just about building a lot of the chemistry with the wider range of targets, something that, yeah, he's had it throughout his career at Florida State, but not of this magnitude and the pressing of getting it to his uh, his playmakers and building that trust with guys like uh, Keon Coleman, Jaheim Bell, and Kyle Morlock too. Um, but, you know, that's that's one thing, you know. Jordan Travis gonna have to stay stay on checking. And, and you know, if 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 Miami's gonna get tired, I know there's a comment in here. You know, there's some games where it kind of seems like some of the youngsters or team overall gets a little whooped. You know, this is where Jay Trav and Mike Norbell they're gonna want to keep a nice, consistent drive going. You know, hold on to hold on to this time, uh, the possession uh, on the clock, and and run it out throughout that game. You know, have these long extended drives that you know. Florida State, we saw last week, though, kind of what was hindering themselves there. But once Jay Trav got things clicking, used his legs a little bit, you know, they finally found their groove. But obviously, it's going to rely a lot on, you know, Johnny Wilson showing that he's 100%. And then also to Keon Coleman as well. Um, you know, protecting, protecting Jordan Travis is definitely going to be key as well. You know, this is a rivalry game. This is it's, it's a nasty one as well. Um, you know, things get a little chippy here and there. And, you know, Miami is not going to want to perform how they did last year. That was an utter embarrassing game for them. Uh, I'm not expecting to see that kind of team that we saw last year. That team gave up very early on. I wouldn't expect that to be the case uh, this year. Or it could, but I don't expect it. Early on is a stretch. I mean, Florida State scored the game winning touchdown on the first drive. Yeah, and like we mentioned, Tyler Van Dyke was hurt. Well, the they're still, still trying, I guess. Still <laughs> trying it there, but then it was like completely dead that second half. But didn't Miami end up playing three quarterbacks in that game? I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure they did. Anytime you have to play three quarterbacks in a game, it's not a good thing. That's when you're like, ah, F it. Go ahead and get you a couple reps in. I don't know. But, um, yeah, it's going to be a fun one. I mean, I wish it was a night game. I do. It'll, it'll be night game at third quarter. Don't worry. It'll it gets, be a game, though, in a third quarter. It gets dark in Tallahassee by 530. It will be a night game. I mean, it's, no, I it's crazy. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's been getting dark here. There's a small chance the game's already over by then. 
I know that's what I'm saying. I want it to be like night game, and then it's something happening there in the third quarter. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Also, the Florida I don't, State fans might not care about that and just say put them away. Yeah, I don't want it to be a one score game when it finally gets dark. I want this game to be over with. <laughs> uh, man, what's our weather looking like too for uh, Saturday up there in the eight five L? Saturday, low of sixty four. Looking like around kickoff will be at 76 degrees, 77. Oh, so, it's going to be beautiful. It's a, warm, it's a warm November. It is. It is. And then out of nowhere in Tallahassee, I know it will be. Boom, it's going to crash right on here and down in the 40s out of nowhere for a straight last, month. Yep. Last week, it was like 30 to 50 for a couple of days. And now we're back in the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. There's a couple questions we'll run through here before we jump into uh, some score predictions. But this is from Matthew Brown on Facebook. Question for y'all. Do you think this coaching staff is one of the best in the country at making second half adjustments? And I think you could give a lot of credit here to Adam Fuller. Now, we've seen Mike Norvell do what he's done, but Adam Fuller with this defense, just overall in a lot of these you know quarters, first half, second half, he's done a good job. But second half, Adam Fuller has done a really damn good job this year. I don't think it's any question. You think back to the season opener against LSU, um, the halftime of the Clemson game and how the defense played from then on out um, against Duke, even this game against Pittsburgh. I mean, shutting out Pittsburgh for the second half of that football game. I mean, it's been proven all season. These coaches, they do a very good job, not only of making adjustments, but also of just getting guys back on the same page um, in the locker room when things go wrong and, just really impressive. There's a lot of cohesion between this coaching staff, especially, you know, most of these guys have now been together for the last couple of years, but with the way this defensive backfield has played and the first year with uh, Fuller and Coach Sertan working with one another, it's been impressive to watch. Yeah, unfortunately, we don't get the chance to watch every single coaching staff in the country, but yeah, I think you could argue for to say it's yeah. more of the best in making second half adjustments. Question here from Zayno on YouTube saying, do you think game plan adjusts away from the home run ball attempts or do they continue to force them? Assuming we get Keon and or Johnny Wilson back, the intermediate throws in space have had the most success. It's, you know, part of me wants to say, yes, they'll get away from it. But at the same time, their MOL season's been let Keon and Johnny win those one-on-one battles. We'll throw it to them when they have those opportunities. So we'll see. You know, I expect that if if Johnny Wilson's one-on-one with the corner down the sideline, Jordan Travis is going to give him a chance, but we'll see. I think it really just depends on the health of the other wide receivers. I mean, obviously it makes sense to force feed Johnny and Keon if they're out there, but I mean, you know, when you have a guy like Ja'Kai Douglas who's coming off a big game against Pittsburgh and someone like Kentron Poitier, who's continuing to get back to full strength after dealing with injury woes earlier this season. You know, some guys that have produced and have proven they can be playmakers for Florida State. Be interesting to see if they get more involved now with uh, those two guys potentially returning to the lineup on Saturday. And I don't know if this will make a make an impact, but Johnny's been hurt twice this season on intermediate routes coming across the middle. So I don't know if Norville will want to keep putting him in that situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good. Good thought there for sure. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll really see. You know, we didn't, you couldn't really tell too on the sideline 
what both of those guys were going through and maybe more specifically Keon because we didn't see him get hurt a week prior. So, you know, really going to be interesting to see a lot of pregame warm-up stuff, Dustin, that we're going to be keeping a close eye on going into this one, not only for Florida mm-hmm. State, also Miami and what they're going to do with that quarterback room. But, uh, you know, there, there are some things I'm, I'm just wondering what's hindering here. Keon Coleman, where a lot of people were in shock and, you know, it was kind of surprising for us. Maybe not for you as much, just because here at practices and, you know, the availability, you got a good eye and, uh, you know, expectation of what you're going to see on Saturdays. But that was still something that was like, oh, OK. All right. Keon Coleman's not playing today. Uh, going to have a lot of have, have a lot of guys have to step up and we'll, we'll see what happens during warm ups and seeing maybe where what, what Keon is, is maybe dealing with specifically. Gentlemen, let's jump into score predictions. It's time. We've had a lot of interesting score predictions here in the last couple <laughs> throughout this whole podcast, this whole show here, the spear, there's been some really interesting ones. We have a lot of, we've had a lot of formal Knowles come on here at our co-hosts have some wild scores, <laughs> but uh, how, how are y'all feeling? Um, you know, going into this and what score are you thinking here? And I think, is it D No, it's back to me. Oh, it's down to you. Back to is me. It? Should be, at least. This is, um, one, this is a 10th game? Yeah, so I went, yeah, so I think you're up yeah. next. Maybe Dustin's next week. Yeah. It, I'd feel a lot better if Florida State was 100% healthy with their wide receivers. You know, Keon's still dealing with some things. John is still dealing with some things. They're going to rotate guys in and out. You know, both of those guys are 100%. Florida State could have could easily win this game by five touchdowns. I really don't have any doubt about it. I still think Florida State pulls away in the end. I think it's going to be kind of close for that first half, though, kind of like we've seen with the Clemson game, the Duke game, the LSU game, and maybe Florida State's taking like a 13 to 10 lead into halftime, and then they blow it open in that third quarter. As I mentioned earlier, Florida State's got to get Miami into third and lawns. You know, for the season, Miami's about the same with Florida State on third down conversions, around 43%. When you get to ACC play, it's down to 39%, and in third and five or longer, and ACC plays just 22%. So first downs are going to be key for Florida State, keeping Miami behind the six. If that happens, this really shouldn't be much of a game. I've got Florida State winning 38-13. to 13. Mm. Okay. All right, back into the 30s, starting the new streak. I like it. Good score, good score. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting game. Uh, you never really know how these rivalry games shake out. Uh, Florida State-Miami, I mean, man, it's been a – a classic one for as long as you can go back and coming into this one, you know, it looks like Florida state has the major upper hand here. Miami kind of been trending down last couple of weeks. Not really sure if Tyler Van Dyke's going to be able to play. And if not, you're throwing a true freshman um, on the road against the Seminoles. You're, I mean, pretty much throwing him into the fire. We have seen Florida state have some slowish starts this season and some really competitive first half. So I kind of agree with you, Austin. I think, and especially with this one being a rivalry, that we're going to see some back-and-forth action, especially for that first quarter, maybe into the second quarter. But Florida State, with the talent and depth on both sides of the ball, I think they're going to end up pulling away in this one. Uh, it, it will help if they're able to get some of those receivers back. We'll be tracking that during pregame. Um, I'm sure Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman want to get out there and make an impression on this one because, I mean, like Jordan Travis – and for Keon Coleman, this is probably going to be his only chance to play against Miami during his time at Florida State. Johnny Wilson is probably going to be his second and final time playing against the Hurricanes. I think those guys are going to want to be out there if they're able to. 
but in the end, I got Florida State. Like I said, pulling away here. I'm going to go FSU 34, Miami 13. Mm-hmm. Okay. Both over the 30s. I like it. I like it. Uh, don't need to add much more into what y'all were saying. Uh, I just stick here with Mike Norvell. And ever since he's you know been able to be there at games, what he did was on the sideline last year at Miami. Uh, felt like he just wanted that one badly. And I just think Florida State, with how they've played at home this year, um, I think they're going to play one of their closest complete games. And I think that's going to say a lot about this team. And um, I, I think it's just going to be huge for for Jordan Travis to stay on track like he's been playing the last couple of weeks. But Mike Norvell, you can just tell in the press conference, if you want to go back and watch that from Monday, he, he, he always circles this game down, you know, with Florida as well. Clemson, you know, might, you know, focus entirely really there on the ACC, but it really, it really comes down to Miami and Florida. And I, he knows how much goes into this. And you're also Dustin, you know, also mentioning a lot, a lot of recruits going to be here Mm -hmm. in Tallahassee for this one. He wants to put on a show. He wants to put points on the board and uh, we know how this defense is going to play. I I think Tyler Van Dyke, if he's out there, it's slaughterhouse, slaughterhouse. Uh, I got four. Yeah, no, no, not a score, but I got Florida State winning this one. 38, Miami 10. So don't expect much. I think Miami is going to get something with special teams. That's really going to be their chance of, of putting points on the board as well. I just don't see much of offensive flow going for the Hurricanes. Uh, they can get something going in the run game, but I, I think Florida, Florida State is going to be very well prepared for that. And I do want to throw one more prediction in. Jordan Travis gets his 100th career touchdown and then gets one more against Miami on Saturday. Oh, wow. Four? Four, Four total touchdowns. I can see it. Now, what is it going to be? Is it going to be a run or throw? The 100th. I think a run. I run. feel like a run would be apropos. Yeah. You can Probably one of those it. QB sneaks. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. you you, you got to get the classic read option. Let him keep it. We'll roll out, roll out in the corner, go into the student yeah. section. Yeah. yeah, I'll take it for the photos that we'll get. So exactly. sign me up. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, this um, I'm super looking forward to to being up there. It's going to be fun. Beautiful weather. It's uh, just there's just something about this rivalry that just makes it so fun. So chippy. A lot of trash talk. Going to see some. Weird looking Miami fans as well. It's just, it's always a fun time. So, uh, VZ, do you have anything basketball wise for us to keep we an do. Eye out for before we hop off out of the show? Friday is Florida State's first regular season game against Kennesaw State. Uh, if anybody's in town for the game, for the Miami game, swing by, swing by the Tucker Center, get you a couple <laughs> beers, watch Florida State probably struggle it out with Kennesaw State. But, you know. Jeez, golly. <laughs> that's not a great way to start off. The, at the at least the... tickets will probably be cheap. You know, you'll probably yeah. be able to find a seat. They'll probably still be at the box office. You don't even have to get them on Ticketmaster. Um, it's, it's probably going to be a dogfight. I'm not going to lie. You know, while Kennesaw State was amazing last year, I said it last week, their head coach went to USF. They lost a lot of those players, but they do bring back the tournament MVP of last season, although he did not play much Tuesday night against Oakwood. Kennesaw State's first game was against one of the worst college basketball teams I've ever seen. 
in Oakwood. Oakwood was on their fourth game in five days, which you just do not see in college basketball. Half of their shots in the first half weren't even hitting the rim. But Kennesaw State plays fast. Florida State struggled with those kind of teams in the past. I think they had 82 possessions, which in a 40-minute in a game, that's a lot of possessions. They had a lot of offensive rebounds and offensive rebound rate of over 20%. Florida State struggled with defensive rebounding in these exhibition games. Might be a battle. I I, ho- I sincerely hope it's not. I hope Florida State goes out there, wins by 20. Um, but we've, we've seen this team for a year now, and they just haven't been that great. And Jalen Ganey's not expecting to play. If he was playing, I'd feel a lot better. Primo Spears is still waiting on a decision from the NCAA on whether his waiver is going to get approved or not. And he's far from the only one. There's tons of players in college basketball that are still waiting the NCAA to make a decision. Get your shit together, NCAA. It's been six or seven months for all of these players. How do we not have a decision for any of these guys? But I it surely has been sitting on the desk since then. This didn't come across the table in September. You've known about it. So it, it is what it is with the NCAA. We'll see if Florida State can can find some chemistry. I'm really looking forward to watching Jameer Watkins for the first time since I haven't been able to watch the games, only, only see them and track them through stat broadcast. I'm finally looking forward to watching the game. But we're here. Basketball season is here. I'm so excited. It's wild, man. I mean, can you imagine if Austin decided, hey, I'm going to publish a game preview at 5 o'clock after the Miami game started? Or, you know, if you're at work and you decide, oh, I'm not going to file those papers, you know, screw it. I mean. It's it's not even that. Every Pretty much every team in college basketball started Monday. And we're at Wednesday going into Thursday. So this would be like me getting the preview out on Monday mm-hmm. after the game. Yeah. That's That's what this is. <laughs> it's really like i was like hey austin i'm gonna remind you about this preview in april you know will you make sure to have it done on this day in november <laughs> yeah no problem oh it's not done mm-hmm. yeah can't trust that ca I, I hate this organization i really cannot stand it they're just screwing i mean you gotta think these are I like, mean, some of, them teen, yeah. some of them teenagers, but 20, 21, 22-year-old kids that are trying to play college basketball. Yeah, like who gives a flying, we can't even like give literally. Them an answer. Just be like, no, you can't play. Or yes, you can play. I mean, we can't even give them an answer. They're just sitting there in limbo. The season started. Their team's playing games. It's just to show they have the fucking power. You know, that's just that all even- and it's the same for football, too. It's same for football. I mean, look at Daryl Jackson. This kid's not going to be able to play until the semester's over. And it's, it's why Florida State – wasn't playing with Primo Spears in exhibition games because they just don't know if they're going to have him or not. Which I don't blame them. You don't want to get used to playing with a guy and then you're not able to play with him all year. I'd rather do it the other way. And it's even it's worse. You get the Baba Miller news last year and you're hoping, all right, well, maybe the NCAA will eventually throw Florida State a bone. Yeah. You can't even get an answer. And it's two words. It's yes or no. It's <laughs> not like you need an entire – you know, 12-page essay, double-spaced, MLA format. Double-spaced. Just, uh-huh. just a yes or no answer is all we need. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's absurd. I, I hate it. I hate it for Spears. I hate it for the team. I hate it for every player in college basketball that's going through it. Because like I was saying in the production meeting, you know, I've, I've probably watched 15 or 20 different games since Monday night, and pretty much every game has had a player that's still awaiting a decision. It's 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 insane. Get a grip, NCAA. Get a damn grip. All right. I think that's going to wrap it up for this week's show before we 
say too many cuss words. So uh, <laughs> I haven't said an F word in a while. So I don't, that's it's been a while. Yeah, it's been about yeah. it's been like a month, month and a half. I mean, they deserve it. So it feels right. It feels right. If, if it anyone's going to get it, stands it away. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, appreciate everybody hopping on here this evening for our preview of Florida State, number four in the country, facing Mario Cristobal and the Miami Hurricanes. They'll be coming into Doak at 3.30 primetime. We'll have our instant reaction from Doak Campbell Stadium. All three of us will be on here to give our recap, instant react. Yeah, instant reaction from down there on the field. Should be good. So make sure you guys are subscribed on our YouTube so then you get a notification on your phone whenever we do go live that Saturday. So we never can really give a defined time, but make sure you're hanging around YouTube um, around, you know, a couple, probably about 30 minutes or so, 45 minutes after the game. Once we wrap up press conference duties with Mike Norvell, Jordan Travis and the rest of the team. But yeah, that's going to do it. As always, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Google play, Spotify. If you're on YouTube right now, hit the like button. Like I was saying, subscribe. Uh, We'll be back here on Saturday, and then we'll see you guys next Wednesday to preview North Alabama. North Alabama, baby. Nothing better. And then after that, it's UF week, which is kind of weird to say, man. These rivalry games being so tight. I'm not. I kind of like it. I kind of do. I kind of do. I kind of like having them a little bit wider in margin. Maybe there's two games in the middle, but. I can work with it. We'll see how it goes this, this season. We'll see. But, yeah, everybody, safe travels to Tallahassee. Enjoy the game. And uh, we'll uh, see you in the A5O. Peace. Mama told me not to say a word. Mama said to take five cents.